Hey everybody, welcome back to the new adventures of Progressives of Power. I am Eric. And I'm Lauren. This continues our look back in time at some of the other He-Man series that might have informed aspects of the current She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. And this week it's all about Mara. Yep, Mara and her lack of pants. Mmm, oh boy, we're watching the new adventures of He-Man so you don't have to, as they like to say on the podcast, How Did This Get Made?, Um, I'm going to give a little background, and then we're going to talk about it. So, New Adventures of He-Man aired in 1990. In fact, Lauren, it ran 65 episodes from September 17th to December 14th, 1990. It ran its entire arc in one fall TV season. That's a lot of that's a lot of episodes for just a couple of months. Was it every weekday? It was. It was. Yeah. It, they just didn't ever do reruns. So five days a week, start to finish, and then bam, it was. It was a one and done. Dang. Uh, Filmation apparently had been working on a new cartoon called He Man and the Masters of Space, that among other things would have given Skeletor a sister, a nephew, and a niece. Their names were to have been Skeletrix, Funnybone, and Honeybone. Oh my Honey god. Honeybone. Yup. But then Filmation went bankrupt, which I'm I don't want to cheer their demise, but I'm really glad we never got Honeybone. I was going to say Skeletina and that was going to be a joke and I wasn't actually that far off. No, Skeletrix is not that much better. But Mattel wanted to bring He-Man into the future. And so this French company called Jetlag Productions went about creating the new adventures of He-Man in 1990. (laughs) Um, It did support a new He-Man toy line, obviously. And again, it only ran like one fall season. Uh, It was heavily serialized, as you could probably tell from watching this episode. And most episodes were written by story editor Jack Olisker. He wrote 37. Jack Olisker wrote 37 of the 65 episodes. That is fucking wild. And regardless of what I think about the quality of the show, that must have been an impossible amount of work to do for one TV season. Skeletona? Is that anything? Okay, that's definitely something. (laughs) Uh, In theory, New Adventures follows the original Masters of the Universe, but the character designs and voices bear... So little resemblance to the original that some fans prefer to think of it as a separate continuity. Now let's talk about TV in 1990. We did this last week. Here are the other cartoons that were airing in 1990. Super Mario Brothers, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, Bill and Ted, uh, Bobby's World premiered in 1990, Captain Planet, New Kids on the Block, Peter Pan, Swamp Thing, another one and done, Tailspin, and Tiny Toon Adventures. Now, this is really interesting to me because I, I, you might know I know a lot about music too, Lauren. And I feel like 1990 is this weird like cultural, it's a very transitional period where the things that we loved about the 80s were on their last legs. Like we needed to put them down. Hair metal, you know, adventure cartoons, they were just not there. But the things that came to define the 90s like grunge or alternative rock or like intelligent cartoons that like, were for kids and adults with a wink and a nod had not quite started. Now that said, I did say Bobby's World and Tiny Toon Adventures premiered in 1990. Those are probably the two like really forward thinking shows on that whole list. Skeletoria. 
Great, great work. Um, I did, I did, okay, sorry. I did watch the hell out of Tiny Toon Adventures. Tiny Toon Adventures, I think, is, is it's hard to overstate how important that show became to the cartoon landscape. And so to me, that's like a demarcation between the action-adventure shows of the 80s and like the the more kind of loosey-goosey comedy shows of the 90s. But also like because of Tiny Toon Adventures, we had shows like Batman the Animated Series and Freakazoid. So... New Adventures of He-Man is not Tiny Toon Adventures. <laughs> wait, wait. I want to do a Tiny Toons podcast. I want to have, um, they might be giants on as guests because they had their, like, musical episodes, which were amazing. Yeah. And then I would have my mom on as a guest because my mom can still quote the Baby Plucky episodes to this day. Ella later go down the hole. <laughs> um, I, I think that that was supposed to be rebooted on Hulu. I don't know whether that's actually happening, but I've heard about that for years. Toot Toot came back. <laughs> oh my yeah. god. I need Tiny, to go watch that right Tiny now. Tiny Toons was incredible and it lasted a lot longer than New Adventures of He-Man. So before we get to this episode, let's let's talk about story editor and massive writer Jack Olisker cuz I think this guy is really interesting. So Jack, after this show was canceled, developed the treatment for the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers or co-developed, mm. I guess. Uh, former... Also took the nation by storm. Christ. Exactly right. Uh, that was just two years later. Former guest and current friend Jacob Torbeck let me know that uh, Jack is a proud Catholic. And in fact, according to Olisker, and I read this with my own eyes, the planet of Primus that He-Man is taken to in this series is literally heaven. Skeletor and the mutants represent the devils of hell. And the whole series is meant to be the final assault between uh, from hell to heaven that is played out in the book of Revelations. Did you get that at all, Lauren? Eric, there's a lot of things on the internet that you could read with your own eyes that aren't true. But this is the author saying that. No, I didn't get that. I yeah. didn't get those vibes. He also, um, I'm not trying to cancel someone for shit they joked on a forum in 2007, but when a fan asked him why Shira wasn't in the show, he said he couldn't write her because she was too hot. He later went on to explain that she would have been in season two, uh, teaming up with the sorceress in Tila uh, to do, you know, what women do. That's not his words, Girl but things. there's definitely a lot of essentialism in this show that I think we can... That's the part where I believe that he's a Catholic. <laughs> uh, not to call anyone's faith into question, but it makes perfect sense. I'm just zoning out thinking of the character designs in this episode and being like, how? <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess we should give listeners some background. So New Adventures of He-Man, like I said, it's vaguely a continuation of, of the filmation series. And as much as in the first episode... Characters from the future slash heaven, I guess, come back to Eternia to bring He-Man into their present day to save their planet Primus from the forces of evil because He-Man is the greatest warrior of the good. Unfortunately, that tricky Skeletor hitches a ride on their starship Eternia and also ends up in the future. And so Skeletor gets a new band of cronies called the Evil Mutants and He-Man gets his new... Uh, buddies, the Galactic Guardians. None of those guys really play into this episode at all, except to say that Mara is a Galactic Guardian and her enemy, Krita, is uh, an evil mutant. Okay, so knowing that they work for Skeletor, it makes this all make a little bit more sense to me. I was just <laughs> like, mutants? Yeah, they're the bad guys. They're demons, obviously. 
So this is a Mara-heavy episode. In fact, it's probably the most Mara-y. I'll never know. I'm never going to watch all 65 episodes of this show. But I just did a quick Wikipedia scan. Uh, Mara is the assistant to Master Sebrian, who is Prince Adam's guru. Uh, it is suspected that she has a crush on He-Man, according to Wikipedia, because she's a girl. Um, she doesn't seem to have much of a personality beyond girl, comma, good. Um, and her hair is her weapon. Yes. Uh, I was wondering for about 20 minutes of this episode if her hair was indeed a weapon or just very elaborately decorated and i was rewarded in this episode for my curiosity rewarded for sure yeah um and then relevant to this episode at some point in the series mara becomes uh an ally or like ambassador to the mites m-y-t-e-s which is a group of like diminutive folks on the planet of necron their enemies are the Gleanons, also very tiny in stature, who are being assisted by Skeletor's mutants. And Mara's kind of big arc in the series, if you can call it that, is coming to kind of defend the Gleanons, or the, the mites from the Gleanons. That's what you need to know about this episode. Called Save Our City. There's a lot of context that I probably could have used before watching this well, that you just gave, but I am never going to go find it ever. I feel like it's almost more interesting to not have the context and get your read on it. Uh, I also looked all of this up today. I only knew the broadest strokes before I watched this episode. Um, I read this after I watched it. So, real quick, save our city. Uh, Mara... And the mites are contacted by the Gleanons, who tell them that their city is going to be destroyed by a volcano and that Mara and the mites have to go save them. Of course, it's all a trap. Uh, Mara and the mites end up getting imprisoned in the Gleanon, like, mine that makes you cough when you work there. Fortunately, He-Man shows up, saves Mara. Mara and the mites, in kind of almost a She-Ra move, rise up against their Gleanon oppressors, uh, overthrow their imprisonment, and Mara becomes queen of the mites for helping them, uh, I guess, attain this freedom. It's yeah. basically the episode, right? Kind of a white savior story, mm-hmm. if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, like, weird-looking caricatures are saved by a hot white lady, and now she's their queen. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they're... I'm just, I don't think I can hide my contempt, so I'm just going to say that, you know, last week we we liked watching He-Man 2002, right? Like, I think we both agreed. I'm not going to watch it again, but it's enjoyable for what it is. Yeah, I'll I'll concede that. I hated watching this. I thought it was joyless and bad. I don't know if I would say I felt hatred. I did feel powerful confusion. <laughs> It just strikes me as so self-serious. Like, last week I mentioned that the He-Man 2002 producers had some comment about they didn't want to write a show that was over the heads of their audience. I wouldn't say that this is over the heads of children, but it's so fucking boring. Like, what kid would enjoy... Like, what is there to enjoy in this episode? I genuinely don't know. Well, the weird thing is... If you read the script of this episode, if I just read it on paper, I would think like, wow, that that could be pretty exciting. Like, there's a spaceship portion, there is 
a ground battle portion, and the I think it's the animation that kind of wrecks it for me. You know, mm-hmm. like we could have had such a cool, um, tense, fast-paced like mine escape scene. And I, I looked down at my phone and, and up again, we had already escaped the mine. And then the battles, the Gleanons, they like stack on top of one another. And there are these set pieces that are designed, these like catapults and these phallic skeleton things. And they're all sort of designed to shoot and, and stack Gleanons. And then they get there and it doesn't help them at all. <laughs> and in fact, there's one piece of animation where a stack of Gleanons just appears to be in the sky. And I was like, I think, I think action-wise, I was supposed to get that they were catapulted there. But this is animate, this is animated so poorly that they just sort of look like they're hovering motionlessly in the sky. It was, the, the, the animation was very boring. Um, yeah. Not to keep dunking on the animation, but at the end of the episode, two of our characters go walking away from the camera toward a door that's off in the distance. But the characters don't get any smaller. And so they're walking away. And it just looks like they're getting bigger and bigger related to this door. And animation-wise, I'm like, oh, no. By the time they get to the door, they'll be giant and they won't be able to fit in. It's, it's bad. It's badly done. It is. It's it's real. I feel like the show is very cheap. Funnily, the only thing I did like about it was that the Gleanons had catapult guns that would stack their guys on top of each other. I'm like, for oh, what that's though, Eric? For kinda... what? Well, for what is the huge question that I have about this whole fucking thing? <laughs> this whole thing. I'm just gonna get to the meat of my critique. Mara in the end becomes queen of the might. How are we supposed to know that she wants that? She gives this really heavy speech about. Oh, like, or He-Man says you must you must be proud, and I I know it's a huge sacrifice to to um you know m- basically upend your life and be here. And she's like, yes, He-Man, I'll always miss the friends I made, but I you know I'm so proud of of the the life I'm I'm embracing or some bullshit. It's like, what is? How are we supposed to know that she wants to be queen of the mites? It really feels like all of the storytelling, emotional choices come from like tropes that we're just supposed to understand like women want to be queen because that happens twice in this episode Krita, who is about to be shot by a gleanon uh in a prior scene is then made queen of the gleanons because she has an evil plan and then she's super into it and the outfit they give her also has no pants yes they don't oh my god and then of course right so guess what lauren i'm gonna blow your mind there's Three female characters that have prominence in this series. Two of them are in this episode. They're voiced by the same person, and they are enemies of each other. I wanted to draw that parallel, how the voice acting in this one was very, uh, just at least more reminiscent of vintage She-Ra, because we had our, like, smoky-voiced female, and we had our high-pitched, like, nasally male it felt a lot more like a couple people were just doing all of the work, like in the eighties. Yeah, absolutely. And it it the actor is Venus Terzo, who I think is incredible. She was in Beast Wars. She was in X Men Evolution. We talked about last week. Great, great actor. This show does her no favors. Well, yeah, and we make fun of we make fun of this style of voice acting, 
But I know that I couldn't do it. I don't have that many voices, even weird, crazy, crappy ones, at my disposal. It's a huge talent. It's just squandered on this oddity. Right. Like, it, you know, I think that this episode probably, it was written thinking like, oh, like, it's so progressive. Like, women are driving the action, which, like... I guess that part is cool. And another thing I actually do like about it is in the final battle, He-Man doesn't intervene in Mara's fight. He just lets her fight Krita while he, like, takes out the bad guy, whose name, by the way, is absolutely General Nipple. Later they say Niffle, but I promise you that his name is General Nipple because that's what it really sounds like to me. I was going to ask that, and I was afraid to. I'm like, they can't be saying nipple. They have to be saying something that just sounds like nipple, and because I'm filthy, like I established (laughs) in the previous episode, I'm just hearing nipple. It's got to be something else. But yeah, even that fight, like you said, like Mara's weapon is her hair, which she uses as a whip. Krita's weapon is a whip. These aren't characters. They're tropes. They're like barely defined women i have to say though i really uh i now ship mara and krita oh yeah just because there was a very like katra with a whip fighting this do-gooder who wants to sacrifice herself for others we got into katradora territory for sure and krita gives this line that's like someday mara it's just going to be you and me and i was like oh in this in this uh den of despair that is this episode there was this flicker of like intrigue for me i was like there's a story you I mean, found right. it that would be so much better i just yeah i i can't i don't know i wasn't even as angry until i started talking to you and then i think of how flimsy this is it just makes me mad like to my core because it feels like the only motivation these characters have is that they're women and like in this very like conservative catholic worldview what do women want to mother to protect so that's what mara wants Ugh. and like yes that's what she wants in she-ra and the princesses of power too but at least she has like an amazing character to go with it like it blows my mind that noelle and co took mara from new adventures as like just a neat reference and made her kind of awesome like you said that mara light hope was your favorite ship in all of she-ra right like yes. if, if you were just what like it probably had to come from like Tim or somebody's Bible or, or just like Wiki Grayskull. Because if you were just watching this show, would you look at Mara and be like, oh, that's someone I feel like I want to write about more? Except maybe in the context of her feelings for Krita, I guess. Um, I, I can't answer that competently because I only see it in hindsight, right? And I will say, with the hindsight of knowing what Mara becomes... Pulling Mara out of obscurity like this was a great idea. She's got an interesting character design. And there I think there were some through lines. I kind of hinted at it already. But Mara, for like lame sexist reasons, really wants to serve other people and sacrifice herself in the care and rescue of others. And that is a big theme that carries through into the new show. Mara insists in current Shira that she sacrificed herself so Adora wouldn't have to. Um, and I think that this Mara was definitely willing to do that too. If if that's the kind of heart of it that we're supposed to get, then great. I am not the sort of artistic genius that would have watched this episode and like found that nugget though. 
I love that you're saying that though, because you're right. Like, kind of the Mara that we get in Shira almost is like making up for previous iterations' mistakes by like letting Adora know that she should be her own person. That's really beautiful. She also has a cool ship, which is an idea that they pulled through. Yeah, I again, just like with He-Man 2002, I don't know that there's necessarily like a ton of disconnect in the iterations, like because we have no idea of like Mara's background really. I'm willing to believe that they're, they'd almost be the same character. Like maybe she did know a He-Man even. Like we'll never know, right? Yeah, definitely. I I want to go back to what you said that this show is very self-serious. Um I think that's true. I think it wants you to take it seriously. And in so many times, I can't. Like, they decide to inject humor at the weirdest moments, like the sponge factory being responsible for making these lava rocks. Like, clearly that was meant to be a joke. It was meant to make me laugh. And at one point, one of the... What are the greedons? The gleanons? Gleanons. The gleanons, they they make some joke like, don't destroy it. A little bit destroyed is okay. And it's supposed to be funny, but nothing else in the show is funny. And also the sound design is really whack. I wrote um, He-Man sound effects, toot. Because the sound <laughs> the sound that the sword makes when it shoots lasers is so, like, impotent. It's not a, it's not a badass, like, when She-Ra shoots her sort of energy beams in the new series. And I don't know, maybe that even came from here. It's, it sounds and looks awesome. He-Man shoots these beams in this episode from the sword, and it's like, toot! <laughs> There's too many of them, Mara! We can't hold them off! Oh, I wouldn't say that. He-Man! I, I think <laughs> impotent is a great word. So I have a uh, an observation and a question for you. Would you, if if you hadn't seen the title sequence, or if you weren't my friend and only had like a cultural awareness of He-Man, would you recognize this as He-Man? No. No, in a couple of ways. I wouldn't recognize this as a He-Man episode because Adam and He-Man weren't very forward in this episode. I'm sure they are in other ones, but this was definitely like Mara's episode. But He-Man's character design, I like texted you while I was watching it. He strikes me as so naked. He's just a nude guy. And to transform out of like essentially a toga into near nudity, it was a very bizarre choice. And actually, I think in terms of inch by inch skin coverage, he's more covered than original He-Man. He's got like a full set of pants. But he's so naked on top and he's like pale. It just looks like a pirate character or something with a little like ponytail and like bandolier. Yeah, he's very defysicalized in in both stature and in action in this show, I feel like. Like to the point that he uses his sword as a laser gun and it is pretty impotent. And like, again, I, I actually think it's kind of neat that like he doesn't muscle in and and take over the action of this episode but i also don't feel like he's really acting like he-man at all right like last week we saw king grayskull 
have one really fucking cool He-Man moment where he just trashed Leech, Mantena, and Grizzlor in like one physics-defying uh, acrobatic stunt. I don't think this He-Man does anything like that. He-Man is, uh, I think, supposed to be seen in this episode as a very powerful hero. They sort of do a tell as opposed to a show where everyone's, like, enslaved and has lost the will to fight, and he shows up, and the odds numerically are against him. Like, I think we're supposed to get that it's He-Man versus a ton of Gleenons, and nobody but He-Man could possibly fight these, like, overwhelming odds. And story-wise, he shows up, and the tide turns, and everyone gets out of it, and so, like, narratively, I think you're supposed to get that He-Man did it, and he is so powerful that he fought off this whole army. But it's just it's just not there in the animation. Like, we don't see the, the cringer plowing through the hundreds of troops like we did last time. Even though, I think, numerically, this, the situation was supposed to be very similar. That's totally right. Because, yeah, there's no... Nothing changes the hero's circumstance except that He-Man shows up. And yet... And he throws General Nipple in the water... And that is enough to make, like, this army of bad guys that have basically won retreat. So you're right. Like, we're supposed to understand he's this incredible hero. But all he does is pew, pew, toot, toot, toot with toot, his toot, sword. Toot. <laughs> it, does, it does kind of bring it back to maybe a religious metaphor, though. He definitely says, like, by the power of Grayskull, I have the power. Very quickly, almost in, like, a religious sort of recitation. By the power, I have the power. <laughs> and then just his presence alone, you know, saves the day. Like, we all believed in He-Man and uh, were set free. That's wild. And it's funny because last week we talked about, you know, maybe not to its detriment, but also not to its advantage that He-Man 2002 is, like, hyper-masculine. Like, it just has this very, like, edgy design sense that's kind of anime-inspired and just kind of like, oh, this is cool. This show's design sense, I think, is best described as, like, wet bread. <laughs> like, <laughs> nothing is really striking. It's like... Did you take that from my tweet where I said Joe Biden looked like soggy bread recently? Or no, did we just I... happen to think very similarly about what wet bread is? <laughs> that one, I guess. Because, like, it is, it is, like, it's sexist that neither woman wears pants and they wear thongs with, like, one-piece clingy suits. But it's not like striking. It's just lazy. It's not. It, it's it's almost even sexist that He Man is like basically topless with like clingy yoga pants. Like it's just boring. It I was odd to me because like yeah, in the script, the women weren't really sexualized. Like no one's leering at them. There aren't any weird comments from the Gleanons or anything. They're pretty much left alone in terms of their bodies. And that's what made the costume choices that much more weird to me. Like, it's not even in the dialogue. It's not a point of the narrative. But we're still going to, like, give this woman a midriff because she wasn't nude enough. Yeah. Uh, you might not be surprised to know there never was a Mara toy. One was planned but didn't ever get to market. You, there wasn't a Krita toy either. Um, no, there, I think were no women. Yeah. No women at all on this line. Not even a Tila or a sorceress. I would love uh, a Mara toy. Probably a modern Mara though. Well, so the classics line uh, ended up making Mara and Krita 
And we've definitely talked about how She-Ra could use a few more toys. And I, I'm i still pulling out, you know, holding out hope that maybe we'll get a whole, like, nicely scaled line of Princesses of Power. And because of your courage in the Nozar Mines and your heroic attack against the Greenons, the people of Sorton make you their queen. Long live Queen Mara! But I shall never forget the home and the friends I have left behind. Before we jet, we do need to talk a little bit, and you did mention this. So this episode also has a moral at the end. Last week's He-Man moral was like, it contradicted the point of the episode, so in that sense it was bad. But at least it's like a moral. What the fuck is going on in this moral? (laughs) Yes, so the moral is... Test the water temperature before you jam your whole hand into any water. (laughs) Mara is doing dishes. She's doing the dishes. They put her in the kitchen. My jaw was on the floor before anyone started talking. (laughs) And then Prince Adam goes to wash his hands and the water is hot. And then Mara tells him to check the water. The original original himbo. (laughs) It's so, yes. It's. It blew my mind with how ill-conceived it was because it, in a twisted way, maybe you could say, okay, well, He-Man saying, you know, we should talk out our differences relates to his problem with Hordak because he tried. Maybe. Maybe he tried. This is, there's nothing about washing hands or water. Well, and here in my mid-30s, so I tried to be like how could this make any sense and the only way it makes sense for me is if it's for kids and you were just trying to find like applicable things for kids it has no point in this episode okay though maybe you're preventing an accident for kids but in my current apartment when i got here the water at its hottest was scalding like dangerous burn yourself and you could go into your house to the hot water heater and there's a little knob and you could make the hot water heater not get so hot. And so now the water in my house doesn't do that anymore. This is a fixable problem. <laughs> I mean, you're right that it, like, I'm sure it's good for kids to hear. It just seems, like, literally tacked on. Like, they didn't try. And, yeah, they put fucking Mara doing dishes, dude. She's now the queen of the mites and she's doing fucking dishes she's got a lot of dishes to do for all those men eric all those (laughs) tiny men which is another thing there's no women in presumably in any of the mite or glean on societies maybe they reproduce asexually and they're all asexual i don't want to judge but really seems like it's all dudes all the time just shooting their pew pew guns at each other The Might Space Force guys also had, like, blue uniforms that reminded me of police officers. So there was also almost, like, a cops are good guys message in here that was sort of subliminal that I did not appreciate either here in 2020. Yeah, God, this is... I mean, some of this, it's like, yeah, it was because it was 1990, 30 years ago. And some of this is just... Again, I can't get over the fact that, like, this is Mara's big arc, and never in this sh- in, in this episode does she ever say, "I want this," or like, "This is how I'm feeling." 
it's all just like do 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 because she's toot, a woman. Toot toot. Toot. It's all toot toot toots all the way down. <laughs> and I. So wanna... I do have one more question about the moral though before we get too far from it. Yeah. What role do you think commitment to like nostalgia plays in this? Because when we're talking original He-Man and original She-Ra. The morals were put in there as like Reagan era regulations, weren't they? Correct. No, uh, no such regulation, or at least like the, the style of that regulation. That, that stuff wasn't happening anymore. Well, so did, did somebody somewhere say we have to do the moral because fans of this franchise expect that? I don't know if that's right, honestly. Like, this was only five years after He-Man ended, two years after, Sh- or three years after She-Ra ended. The presidency of George Bush the first. I mean... None of those other cartoons you named, though, were doing this. Not this literally. That That is true. Um, I mean, I bet most of them had, like, you know, very special episodes. Yes, um, true. So, I imagine it, it was... It probably was a choice to homage the original without being nostalgia because I don't think nostalgia had kicked in yet. Like, there wasn't enough time for the nostalgia factory to take hold, which is why, kind of, I think Mattel was like, yeah, just fucking send him to space. And he's going to sound different and look different, and it is what it is. Uh, And people do finally remember the show, and there's, like, some devoted fans in the fandom, which, like, I don't want to take that away from anybody. I just don't ever want to watch this show again. I I think you bring up the notion that it's just what I'm going to recommend to our current like listeners and that is this was probably well liked in its time and probably has a following. We just know now how much better it can be. And so nobody's going to go back now and watch this like, oh boy, more He-Man content. I'm so excited to see it. It's it's lost its luster if it ever had any. It's cool to see where Mara came from. It just really casts a spotlight on how much was improved by the new class. Right. And Jack Olisker likes to say, and he's right, you know, it's he did one of the first like fully serialized cartoons. That's awesome. Uh I really do respect that this show was like very tightly plotted. I just think you're absolutely right. Like so many shows have done it better since then. And there's just too many shortcuts. There's just too many uncomfortable 1990 things. Yeah. So I think officially I would say new She-Ra fans, just be glad that She-Ra and the princesses of power rescued Mara and, and gave her, like Lauren said, a, a satisfying reckoning. Yes, she deserved to be pulled out of the muck of this weird, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animation. But Is that worse. what I'm feeling when I look at the Gleanons? Yeah, oh, the Gleanons are very TMNT. That's really true. Yeah, like big faces on, like, disproportionate little gray bodies. Yeah. Which, that was the most interesting design in the episode to me. Go figure. Interesting, but like I said, Why? Yeah. Oh, well, we'll never know why. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. So you, you, if you listen to the show for a while, you know, I had my weird like new adventures tie in fan theories and there's maybe still some room to explore those. But I would say Wiki Grayskull is going to give you all you need on that front. Uh, but it was interesting to talk about it with you, at least, Lauren. <laughs> interesting. 
But why? But why? <laughs> um, we're gonna cover one more throwback next week. Uh, so I had always felt guilty that to do this show, Lauren had to watch several very bad episodes of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, the 1983 series. Um, but there are some really, really good ones. And so next week we're going to cover my favorite and I really hope that Lauren likes it, but even if not, that's okay. Cause I, I'm going to cry. I'll be honest. I'm going to cry. I hope I like it too, both for your sake and also cause this one was bad. I know like, yeah, yeah. Sorry. New adventures. Um, oh God, am I going to have a feud with someone from the new adventures now? I don't know. Quick, say something good about new adventures before we go. The theme song's kind of cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool. It's a little long, but the melody is nice. <laughs> yeah, I can't even do that. Well, maybe we could play just some of it, and then you could fade it out before it becomes tiresome, like the series itself should have done. <laughs> yeah, why 65 episodes when 13 will do? That's what I want to know. <laughs> why 100 episodes of a podcast? Who knows anything? When 93 would have been <laughs> 93 would have been just fine. Really? We probably could have done it in 52. I think our, <laughs> our listeners would have been just fine with that. Oh, but then we couldn't have talked so much about Catra, Eric. All the time we spent on Catra. Fond memories. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to She-Ra, Progressive of Power. If you like our show, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We super appreciate it. You can also send in any feedback you have to our email address, progressiveofpower at gmail.com or to our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash progressiveofpower. <laughs>